My first time facilitating, thank you for your patience, and I apologize that we're late. Welcome to the Relationships, Working Well with Others workshop. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you, please turn off your cell phones and electronic equipment. Thank you. The session is being taped, so anyone wishing to share will be asked to sign the speaker's release form before sharing. To protect anonymity, no photography, audio, and a visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. My name is Pam, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. And your leader for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I will now read the promises from the book Alcoholics Anonymous. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity <clears throat> will disappear. We will lose interest in ourselves and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. The format for this meeting is as follows. Three panelists will share for 15 minutes each. Then an ask it basket will be circulated and we will have open sharing as time allows. Once again, the topic of this workshop is relationships, working well with others. Our first speaker is Louise. Good morning, I'm Louise and I am a compulsive overeater. <laughs> Get the heart to calm down a little bit. <laughs> um, would you let me know when it's about three minutes? Thank you. Well, I just want to, uh, I guess the word is qualify a little bit why I feel like I have the right to a chair in this incredible program. And I have memories since I was five years old of mom coming home from the grocery store and specific food items, you know. And, and uh, it was about three months when I, after I started attending meetings that I realized my mother was a compulsive overeater. And she died at 52 um, heart problems related to her obesity, you know. I never knew that. I just knew my mom didn't seem to eat much when we were all together, you know, and I had and I had a father who at the time was a, was kind of a rageaholic and I think and God bless him he's changed a lot and I think that's kind of her way to handle it. But I don't think she knew about this program. I remember her being in Tops and all these other groups. But anyway, uh, um, I think adolescence was one of the worst times for me in life. I was at one of my heaviest 
I remember a doctor saying I was 165 and I was, you know, like 14. And so that time of life when you're dating boys and, you know, starting to look at look at doing other things and everything, that wasn't, that wasn't meant to be for me. Um, when I got into college, I was sure that I was 300 pounds and it wasn't until later that I looked back at the pictures and I wasn't, but that's the way I behaved, you know. And, uh, and then when I was 19, I did a, what they call a geographic and I moved to Mexico. And, uh, lo and behold, I took myself with me, which was quite a surprise. But I've done it all. I've, uh, you know, gotten food out of the trash. I've hid food. I've had dinner parties and told the husband, you know, you go on to bed, I'll clean up so I can lick off all the plates. I've stolen food. Um, I've eaten compulsively. I don't have particular food items. I can eat a salad compulsively. And I did one time and got a beet stuck in my throat and was literally suffocating. And there was nobody around that could drive me to a hospital. And my 14-year-old daughter practiced the Heimlich maneuver because she'd seen it on TV. And, uh, of course, that didn't get me to meetings the next day, but uh, it took a little while. So I've done, you know, I've done amazing things with food, eating and eating and eating until I was so stuffed, you know, so I just lay down a while, but I'd want to keep eating. This disease, um, I do still have, in spite of the promises, I do still have some regrets. took away a lot of, a lot of my youth, and I think, and the possibilities of, uh, that youth gives because I was completely wrapped up in my disease. And although I, my weight has shifted about 25 pounds up and down, up and down, up and down all my life, so I think it's about thousands of pounds that we're talking about, uh, the mental obsession was relentless from the minute I opened my eyes until the minute at night that I shut my eyes to go to sleep, uh, that eat, 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 don't eat, wait, I'll gain weight. Well, I'll start the diet on Monday. You know, all those crazy thoughts. There was no room um, in my life for anybody else or anything else. So a big part of my life, especially in my youth, was in isolation, lived in isolation, because I just didn't feel worthy to be out there with people and parties and boys and all that kind of stuff. So... um, Regarding relationships, you know, I was thinking, it's a good thing my husband and kids aren't here today. <laughs> Listen to what mom has to say about relationships. But I think for me, again, and I mentioned to you the, the kind of family that I grew up in, and I got both. I got the rageaholism and I got the compulsive overeating. So um, this program has done miracles. And... The way I would handle things when things did not go my way was to scream and yell and then eat out of guilt and remorse, you know. And I did that for years and years and years. And uh, I think the one key, the, the key to the possibility, for me anyway, of healthy relationships is abstinence. Abstinence has brought back sanity in my life. And I define my abstinence as three moderate meals a day with nothing in between but life. And let me, I forgot to say, my home group is Grupo Serenidad in Playas de Tijuana. I live in, in Tijuana, Mexico, and have lived there for many years. So, um, 
So I did a lot of screaming and yelling. I uh, have a wonderful husband. I've been married to him for almost 29 years, you know. And since I've come into program, my abstinence date is February uh, 16th, 2002. And uh, nothing has changed in my life on the exterior, but everything has changed completely. My relationship with my husband, my relationship with my children, uh, friends, working relationships. I have to say that one of my um, most incredible moments was when my daughter called me. She was in Guadalajara studying university and she's studying psychology. So they had this class where they have to talk about their family history and all this stuff. And she called me up and said, Mom, I just heard some horrendous stories of some of my classmates, you know, living with alcoholic and or beaters and, you know, just horrific stories. And she told me, she said, Mom, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't I don't have that kind of a story, you know. And when I told them that I have loving parents and uh, they don't hit me and they don't scream at each other, um, they didn't believe me in class. And I have to tell you, um, I get very emotional when I tell that because that's so not what I was raised in. And so um, I didn't want to bring my children up in that kind of an atmosphere, you know. And by the grace, only by the grace of this program did that change. And then I had a son last year. My I have a 21-year-old, 19-year-old, and 15-year-old. So my 19-year-old went to Europe last year, and he lived with a family. And after a while, he finally left the family, and he called me up. He said, Mom, I couldn't stand the screaming and yelling going on in the house. And again, I couldn't believe it because... um, because that's what I'm used to. That's what's familiar to me. Um, I say abstinence is the key to my relationships because when I'm not abstinent, I get completely crazy and I do scream and yell. That's kind of my MO. You know, I've had the privilege to talk to a lot of alcoholics who say when they drink, they break out in handcuffs. Well, when I, when I binge, I break out in rage. I do. It's awful, you know. Like somebody said once, eat 20,000 calories and see if that doesn't alter your mood. Well, it sure did mine, you know. And then, of course, the guilt and remorse. And and uh, it was such a such a vicious cycle. And when, when the mental obsession is active in my head, there's no room for anybody. Just like the drug addict, for me anyway. There's no room for my children, for... Uh, my husband, for anybody in my life. All that's in my head is that mental obsession. And I think one of the biggest uh, challenges for me in relationships besides my family, oh, and uh, to me the greatest thing about writing about relationships is on uh, page 419 in the AA Big Book. It's called Acceptance is the Answer. And that is what I go back to over and over and over again. If there is some person, place, or situation that has me upset or is bothering me, it's me. It's a lack of acceptance. It's not that other person. So I want to talk just a couple minutes about our little group in, in, in Tijuana. This is a group that, uh, that's been around. It goes off and on for years, and now we've been having it in Playa's for about two years and there's been anywhere between two and three and four people and and I come to meetings over here so uh, I have other meetings but that is the only meeting that exists in Tijuana and the reason I mention this in relationship is because 
for the longest time, every Wednesday, it'd be like, oh, God, it's our meeting. And I didn't want to go to our meeting because it's so, so few people. There wasn't a lot of abstinence. But I had a sponsor tell me once that I had the wrong attitude. It's not about what I can get from the group. It's about what I can give. And um, so we stuck to it. And uh, at least one of those people is in this room today, which is such an honor and privilege for me to have her here. And we stuck to it. And then recently, uh, we've been asked to speak on the radio. And uh, we've been asked to attend set-up tables at conferences. And I mention this because it's been such a challenge in, in relationship. Because these are people that I might not me in in my everyday walk of life you know it talks about we meet people who we probably wouldn't be friends with otherwise and that's what's happened in this group and now even though we have a meeting only once a week we started writing on the computer to each other during the week and what an incredible gift this is and this for me is another um, area of relationship and how these beautiful relationships are supporting my abstinence and like somebody said you know when you go to that meeting uh, are you abstinent that day and guess what it is a lot easier to be abstinent so abstinence for me has been the answer to everything it has been the basis of my life and the way to get to that has been through the 12 steps because I am powerless I was powerless I am powerless and I will be powerless the rest of my life to remain abstinent on a daily basis. And um, I can't say enough about abstinence and what it's, uh, what it's done for me, but I can say that the 12 steps, working the 12 steps, and I've done them a number of times. I've done three, four, and fifth steps so far, you know. And things change. There's internal shifts that, uh, that I didn't plan that I didn't do on my own and it just it just happens I don't know if there's any newcomers in this room but please like they say please keep coming back until the miracle comes about I am a therapist by trade and studying psychology for years did nothing to help me with my eating disorder and it really didn't do much to help me in my relationships and my anger and my mood swift changes what did it was abstinence. And the only thing I can repeat again is the only thing that brought me abstinence was working those 12 steps. Thank you. Our second speaker is Melody. I'm Melody, compulsive overeater, bulimic anorexic, and uh, a little nervous um, as I was talking to my sponsor about this this week. I was like, okay, I really want to go to my computer and write a 10-page paper about everything I know about relationships and how program has helped me with this, and she was like, please don't. <laughs> um, and I started crying because I like to be in control. <laughs> And I've been in program two and a half years, and I still like to be in control. And it's still a practice for me of letting go of control. So the extent of preparation that 
Um, I did, as instruction by my sponsor for this, was five minutes of notes right before this. So, now that I've got that out of the way. Um, I came to my first meeting about two and a half years ago here in San Diego, and I was not at all ready to be here. I was in therapy because of a family situation that had happened related to my father. Nothing to do with food, and my uh, therapist said, there's this program called OA, and I think it would be really good for you. And I'm like, I didn't come here to deal with food. <laughs> um, nonetheless, I ended up at my first meeting and came and listened for a long time before I was ready to take action. Um, but once I decided that I was ready to be here, um, that was a few years ago, um, I just celebrated two years of abstinence. And um, what this program has given me is unbelievable. I'm thankful from the bottom of my heart. So a little bit about my history. I was a competitive figure skater growing up with a little bit of competitive gymnastics thrown in there. And from the time I was six, I was put on diet for being five pounds overweight or five pounds overweight for a gymnast or a figure skater. And really from the, that time, I had this conception of myself as weighing about 200 pounds. You know, like I just, the way that people talked to me about my body and about my weight, I thought I was huge. And I look back and see pictures now, and I'm like, how could I have thought that? But at the time, that's really what I believed, because that's what I heard. And so I had a whole childhood of um, being taken to Jenny Craig and nutritionists and Weight Watchers and everything against my will. And I rebelled against that, and I did everything in my power to not lose weight <laughs> on those things. Um, at a certain point in time in high school, um, I stopped doing those, I stopped doing those things and I started dancing. And suddenly I had this thing that was mine, that I loved, that I wanted to be a part of. And suddenly my weight and my body became important to me. And that's when my bulimic and anorexic, um, tendencies started, which I struggled with for several years. Um, and then sometime in college I made the decision that I was destroying my life and I just couldn't do it anymore. So my solution to that was, I'm going to eat anything I want, anytime I want, whether it's a salad or a hamburger or a candy bar, so that I can be sane. So that's what I did for about six years before I found this room. And I think my coffee was somewhere around 2.30. Possibly maybe I stopped weighing myself because I didn't want to know. And um, so I have two years of abstinence. Um, no, that's not our topic for today, but I just want to throw out there... Um, you know, the relationships I've had in this program, I'm so thankful for all the people who've talked with me about what their abstinence is, about how they came to find their place in this program, because I feel like my place may not have been everybody else's path. My first abstinence was an abstinence from candy. Um, <laughs> I tried the whole three meals a day, no sugar, no flour thing, that didn't work for me. Um, so with this very small basic abstinence, I really built a foundation and was able to take that and grow with it. And suddenly, as I started working the steps and I started going to meetings and I started talking to people and emailing people and started making program a priority in my life, my abstinence and my food plan started to take care of itself. And it's just been an amazing, amazing gift. So... Here I am, relationships. Um, before I came into the program, my personality was much like it is now. 
I've always been kind of a happy, bubbly type of person on my exterior. But for most of my life, um, on the inside, I was very depressed and very sad. I spent most of my teenage years and college years suicidal, and nobody knew that. I was the only person who knew that. And it was such a huge effort every day to go out and put on this happy face and be this person that people expected me to be, I thought, and then come home and have to deal with those feelings and how did I deal with them, of course, I ate. Um, But I tried to handle everything on my own. My family raised me to be a strong, independent woman, and I embraced that. I felt like I had to do everything on my own, and I really learned here in program that I don't. Another amazing gift that this has brought to me. So now I feel like, as I said, I have much the same personality, but now I don't have to put it on every day. It's just there. And it's not there every day. And now I get to not be happy every day, and some days I'm not. Some days I'm sad, and some days I'm mad and frustrated and nervous, which has been this week a lot. Um, And that's okay, and I can just be myself and be who I am and where I am today. And one of the ways that I've grown. So one thing that program has given me is a great place to practice my relationships. So before, as I said, I didn't talk to anybody about anything that was real. And suddenly I was put in a place where everybody talked about really real things and it was a safe place and it was okay. And that was a very slow process for me. There's some people here today who know how slow of a process that was. Um, I would only share at a women's meeting, one women's meeting a week, and I would shake, visibly shake, and, like, could barely speak. Um, So this is really a miracle that I can stand up here and try to put sentences together today. Um, But I practiced. I practiced on small levels, as much honesty and as much as I felt like I could share little baby steps at a time. And soon I started to build relationships and program honest relationships that I had never known before. My relationships up to that point with friends had always been so on the surface. And now I have all these beautiful, wonderful people in my life that know the real me, that accept me and love me for who I am. And I never knew that before. It's amazing. So practicing those relationships in program has allowed me to start practicing those relationships in my life. So my relationships with my friends that I've had for a long time are now suddenly so much closer and so much deeper and so much more wonderful as a result. And all the fears that I had about them not accepting me, not loving me, not wanting to be my friend anymore, those were silly, <laughs> you know, and everything is so much better now that I am my real self. Um, I've had an interesting relationship with my family growing up. Um, my parents were very verbally and emotionally abusive, sometimes physically. So it's been interesting to see my process as I've gone through and how my relationship has changed with them as I've worked the steps. And um, 
I really carried around so much anger and resentment and as a result of the way that I was treated growing up. And even though I'm not all the way through my stuff yet, um, I've seen that change so much. And the change is definitely not in them. They have they've not changed. <laughs> but what I find is I I bring to the table something new. So one of the worst times in our family is always holidays, Thanksgiving and Passover and things like that, and there's a lot of food around. And um, my mom always gets, like, crazy. Like, everything has to be perfect, and everything's not going perfect, and she's yelling and telling us all that we're doing everything wrong, and, you know, some of you, I'm sure, can identify. Um, <laughs> so I decided that I could make a difference just by changing how I react to her. So instead of yelling back at her, or instead of taking that in, I'm mean, like, oh, I hate her, <laughs> which is my usual response. I really approach holidays now as a service. How can I be of How can I be of service to my family and to my mom? And how can I help make this an enjoyable holiday, not just for me, but for my whole family? So I started doing this, and I start like the week before. And everything goes so much better. And so just by changing my attitude and my reaction, I see changes happen in my family. And they don't, my mom just found out about programs, but so she didn't know, and most of my family doesn't know. Um, so they don't know what I'm doing or, or know what the difference is in me, but I know that they see it. Um, some of you know, uh, last night I was here dancing, um, <laughs> and thank you. Um, dancing is, as I said, something I did later on in high school and into college, and I did it professionally for a while. I taught and I choreographed, and that was really the one way that I had to communicate with people. Uh, it was the only way that I could express myself. I didn't have words before to know how to tell someone how I feel. Thank you. And it was such an amazing process for me this week to go through making a dance, which I haven't done in a couple of years, um, and to realize, wow, I can actually have a conversation with someone to tell them how I feel, and I don't have to only communicate in this way anymore. And that was just a realization for me that I was so happy to have. Um, it's been an interesting few weeks for me. Um, my apartment was broken into preparing for this. Um, and what I've really seen throughout uh, many challenges is that I've grown in my willingness to ask for help. And that's a huge thing that's helped all of my relationships, my work relationships, my family relationships, my relationships with all of you in programs. So I've had to ask for help at 11 o'clock at night, walking into my apartment because I was scared, and people have helped me. And I've had to ask for help. I'm a teacher and missed the first week of summer school because I was out of professional development. I had to turn my classroom over to three people who are not teachers. And <laughs> I had to ask for help and trust them that they were going to take care of it. I had to ask for your help this week to watch my dance earlier in the week so that I could feel okay coming into last night. And asking for help is something I didn't know how to do before. And now when I do it, I receive the help and I'm able to give it in return. And it's a, 
nice circle of a relationship. Um, this program has just, it's changed my life. It's changed my, all of my relationships, like I said, with my family and friends, and most importantly, with myself. Um, changing my relationship with myself, believing that I am worth this program, that I deserve this program, that I have something to offer other people, that I deserve to be alive, really. Just changing that relationship with myself has allowed me to change my relationship with everyone else. So, thank you so much. Our third speaker is Patsy. I think I'm going to take my shirt off. I'm sorry. It got hotter. It got hotter from there to here. Um, I'm Patsy Compulsive Reader. Hi. And I got to tell you that I um, was not happy about speaking here. I got a call from someone asking if I would speak at the convention, and um, uh, oh God. and um, I always I have a policy to always say yes to those things. And so when the woman called me back, she said she wanted me to speak on the principles of OA, and I was like, well, I can't do that. I don't even know what the principles of OA are. Mind you, I've been in the program a long time, but I was like, oh. So she said, okay, well, let me call the woman and see if you know if there's another topic. And so she called back and said, how about working with others? And I was like, oh, I can do that. And I had just, my friend had just told me the week before, um, why don't you read Working with Others out of the big book? Because I was having some issues with it. So I thought, oh, how ironic that that's the topic. Come to find out this morning, it's not really the topic. It's the relationship, the relationship part was like not told to me, so. I was listening, going, wow, that's a great topic. So I'm sharing on working with others. Um, so the reason I say yes, you know, when people ask me why I have that policy, is because, um, because I want to share the hope, you know, that it's possible to get abstinent, it's possible to stay abstinent, it's possible to have long-term abstinence, and... Um, I truly believe I was blessed to give this gift of abstinence, and I want to share that. So that's why I say yes. And also I say yes because I tell my sponsees and my friends to say yes, so it'll look bad if I say no, and they know that. Um, and um, also in the big book it says that if you want to ensure immunity, then you've got to say yes. You know, I want to ensure immunity, so I'm going to work with others. And that's just one of the ways to do that. I mean, I do not want to go back, not for a single moment, second, to the hell, you know, that I had before abstinence. To me, I can feel it viscerally when I think back, you know, of the helplessness and the despair of stuff in my face every day and just being so out of control. So, so yes, it was my answer. And um, also... The good, one of the good things about working with others is that it makes me say as I do, you know, walk the walk as I say. So it makes me, if I'm telling someone to do certain steps, I'm, I'm doing those steps with them. If I'm telling them, you know, to keep their clean, their food clean, I'm doing that myself because I don't want to be hypocritical. Um, so these are the different 
ways that I work with people. One is newcomers. If I'm in a meeting and there's a newcomer, I try always to go to that person after a meeting and introduce myself and say hi and get their number and tell them I'm going to call them. Because if I don't tell them I'm going to call them, then that easily goes out the door. I'll think, oh, that's a good idea, but I don't do it. So I commit to it to them, and then I end up calling them and answering any questions they have. Or really, I start a lot of times temporary sponsoring them until they're in the program and, and get going. Um, and I let them know at that first meeting, like in looking at me, a lot of people can think, the hell does she know about this? Because I look like a normal body, um, and it's easy to discount the my experiences for years and years and years of the pain I had. So I want to express to them that I know how awful it is. And um, and there's hope. And I also, um, one of the ways of working with people is just sharing in a meeting. I, I'll never, there's, there's certain times that I have um, people's voices come in my head, you know, of things that they've shared in meetings. And for instance, this one woman, I have no idea who she was. I don't even know what she looks like now. But years and years ago, she was sharing in a meeting that she ate dog food. And just touched me to no end because of the, the depth that I'd gone to. Well, she had too. And, and so that sticks with me. So it's doing service and just sharing at a meeting, sharing from a place of honesty. And you have no idea who you're going to touch in those times. Um, also, I think being in a meeting and doing service, I mean, just even if you don't say a word, the way our meetings are set up and the way the traditions are, it's like that you don't get feedback. You just share. You can share anything. And I, when I first came in here, oh, my God, the things I was sharing. It was like toxicity coming out. All like just a lot of integration I had, a lot of abuse in the past that I was trying to, um, that was coming up when I got abstinent. But so I think just us being there and listening, it's like we're witnesses to each other, and that's one way of working with others. Also in my work, I mean, a lot of times I refer people to OA if I see that they have these issues. And it's getting a lot easier for me in my life to tell people that aren't in the program that I had a problem with this. And um, and just, I don't have that much shame about it. The longer it is away, the easier it is for me to disclose that to normal people. Um also, one of, I think one, probably one of the biggest ways I work with people is in friendships. You know, a lot of my friends come from OA. And um, just in being really honest with them, sharing from a real soul level with them, which, as you were saying, like, it's so hard. Before, it was just real surfacy. And now it's about really sharing who I am and what I am with these people. And it's really hard to do that when I'm feeling bad, when I'm feeling really bad. And sometimes I don't. I tell them after I wanted to call, but and they're like, why don't you call? Please call during those times. And um, so making those calls with the, my friends, getting those calls from my friends, being accountable with my friends. It's, I really see it as co-sponsoring with my friends in LA that, you know, it's not just with the food, but it's with the emotional stuff. I'm definitely working the program. And the biggest one which I want to talk about is sponsoring. And I was just at the meeting before this, and it was like exactly what I thought was going to happen, which was people were saying the greatest gift I could possibly get from this program is sponsoring, and having sponsees in those relationships is like the most amazing part of it. And um, 
that's not what I'm going to share today. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to share how hard it is and how difficult it is in working with others in this area. Um, and uh, a lot of times it's not said in the meetings and it's not said, if I say, like, oh, I'm really frustrated sponsoring, I feel like a bad person. And, um, like, I'm supposed to feel like what a gift it is to give, give, give. And, and it don't always feel like that. And a lot of times it's a pain in the ass and it's difficult. And I, there's people in this room I work with now. There's people in this room I've worked with in the past. There's people all over I've worked with. So it's not, it's especially not easy to say now, but it's, it's difficult. And it, um, also in the big book, it says it's, um, faith alone is insufficient. I hate this, this phrase. Listen. It must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. That makes me like want to turn inside out. Um, like I don't want to be put out and I don't want my precious time taken and, um, and yet, let me not sound like an ogre. There is nothing better than seeing, it's an awesome experience to see people that you're working with grow and change and blossom. I mean, it is amazing. Um, also, it takes a lot of time and it's work. And um, I want to share some of the things I've learned that are for me only, but don't necessarily apply to everyone that's sponsoring, but for me, well, this maybe just does, but not all of it. It's, for me, I found it's really important to be clear and honest from the very beginning about how I work as a sponsor and um, how much time availability I have and just be really kind of upfront and direct and say what my expectations are, see what theirs are, and see if it's going to work or not. Um, I also think in working with people that it's important that they call me, that they reach out, that they put out the effort, that it's not me checking in with them. Um, and I have to like them. That's also a bad thing, I think, to say. But it's so much easier to work with people that I like. And even when I like them, sometimes I'm resentful that I'm having to spend the time. Um, but it's really important that I like the people I work with, that I want, that that time is, I don't know, that I care. It's important that I care. Um, and that I, for me, that I don't take too many sponsees. I have gone the gamut with that. And three is usually good for me. If it's, if they're low maintenance, maybe four. If they're high maintenance, maybe one, maybe two. I mean, but really, I can get resentful if I take too many or if I don't have the time. So finding a balance with that is really important. Um, and it's okay to say no if someone asks me to sponsor them. I don't want to or I don't think it's a good fit to say no. Um, and it's okay to drop a sponsee. I've had so many sponsees starting to work with sponsees and have so many questions about it. And Really, the way you learn how to do it is to do it, and you get yourself in a pickle a lot of times, but to get guidance about it. Um, but it is okay to stop working with someone. 
especially if they're not working, if they're not doing the steps or they're not putting forth effort, it's always important for me to not be working harder than they are. Um, and uh, it says it in the big book, too, basically, like not to spend too much time on one person necessarily because there's other people that want that opportunity. And I do feel like that. It's like, well, I'd be happy to work with you if you're working. And if not, you know, this person wants to work. So, um, and also I think it's important that there's a match in working with others, that my philosophy matches their philosophy. And my ideas about food plans matches theirs. For instance, I feel like the goal in food plan for me is that, you know, it's, um, an ex- it's just basically ex- an extension of like living fuller in life and that eventually it will be like you can eat anything, go anywhere and with anyone. So I don't necessarily fit with someone that has a more restrictive way and I, it doesn't work to work with them because it's, we're, we're of different philosophies and that's okay. There's plenty of other people and I learned that too, like in letting go of someone, there's someone that they're going to fit with better. Um, so making sure from the beginning that we kind of have the same idea around that. And um, it's really important that I'm guiding them through the steps, that they want to work their steps. Like, I'm just not a friend that's going to talk to you. Like, I'm going to help you work this program. Um, and sometimes it doesn't work the relationship and how to deal with that. Sometimes they're not calling anymore. They're not writing anymore. And I'll call them and be like, okay, obviously we're not working together anymore. So I just want to make it official that, like, there's an end to this relationship. And thank you. Because there's always something. Thank you. There's always something that they're giving me for sure that we're both getting from each other. But these relationships are often for a season. They don't have to be forever. They're not. They don't have to be lifelong relationships. It can be that I work with them for a certain amount of time and they go work with someone else for a certain amount of time or my friend just lost her sponsor after 25 years so she had to get another sponsor it's it doesn't have to be forever and they can change form my sponsor i ended up sponsoring so it can it can switch around um and i always think it has to be mutual that if it doesn't work for me, it's probably not working for them. Like it has to work for both of us in order to spend. Because it's an intimate thing. You really are sharing from your heart with each other. So if you sharing the most gut level things, you want to trust that that person's into you. You know, <laughs> cares and and is working. Um, and any of us can work with others. Like you don't need to have a certain level of abstinence a certain time period or you don't have to go through all the steps to start sponsoring or you don't have to you know if you're if you have a month absence you better believe that newcomer wants your month absence and like what can you offer them tell them how you got that you know you can call people every day you can like I said just sharing in a meeting or being in a meeting um, is is working with others and the last thing I wanted to share is that um, in the 12 step and 
12 traditions of OA. There's this one line I really like, and I think it, it kind of sums up working with others. And it says, well, I'm just quoting the last part, that it's walking hand in hand with our friends and our higher power. And I think that's like we're working with others um, is like for me in this program. So thank you. Any other questions that I can answer them? Thank you. All right. First, not a question, but a compliment to all three of you. Thank you for sharing and sticking to the topic. They appreciated all of your help. What a big help you all were. Thanks for giving of yourselves and your recovery. And Patsy, I'll ask you to come back. Why do you sponsor? What do you get out of it? I like, I sponsor because I think bottom line is really to keep me abstinent. I mean, I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep me abstinent, and that's what they say I have to do to ensure that immunity. I'm going to sponsor other people because that's what I have to do. If I didn't have to do that, would I do that? It's my nature to be kind of a counselor. I've done it my whole life, so I might, but I really got to say the bottom line is so that I never have to go back to that place. Um, and I've gotten incredible friendships. I've gotten um, really throughout all the different sponsees. It really um, matches where I am emotionally in relationships. They get healthier and healthier. And it's working with them that I have to sometimes set the boundaries, that I have to end the relationships. But it, now, mind you, they do it to me too. I've been dumped. <laughs> and it's okay. Um, but it really is a match to, to see grow. It's an opportunity for both of us to be growing. So, As a single person dating, do you need to date only people in recovery? Can the relationship work if the other person is also a compulsive overeater? Should you bring it up? Okay. <laughs> dating, no name. Any thoughts? No married participants? Thanks, Kathy. Um, I've never actually dated a compulsive overeater that's out. Um, so I definitely think it's okay to date outside of the program. I, ha I have had the chance to date people in 12 steps, and it's kind of neat to be able to have that as a, uh, a thing in common. It's a real easy way to communicate. Um, but I think it's the last part of the question is the most important part, which is, is it important to bring that up? And I think that that is um, really depends on where you are. When I first got, when I first was absent, it was much harder for me to tell people. 
much harder for me to admit that I had a problem in this area. And, you know, when you're dating, you're going out to eat and, you know, come over to my house and I'll cook you dinner. And, well, that poses a problem. Um, not anymore, but it did in the beginning. So, I mean, I always think it's, it's better to be upfront and honest. But um, that's easier to say now that I have a lot, a lot of time behind me. Um, but, you know, we're talking about intimate relationships, so easier to be upfront and honest from the beginning. Um, but I don't think it's necessary to disclose if, if you don't, you know, feel that inside. It's up to you. The date, yes. <laughs> fun. How do you grow relationships with normal eaters who can't share feelings when we are so gut level? I find that my significant other may not understand my level of gut feelings. Louise, compulsive reader. A couple things um, in with um, girlfriends are very important to me. And um, what I've noticed is uh, coming into program, I've actually lost a couple dear friendships um, because my priorities changed. And I've also found that when the relationship stays superficial, and I do enjoy that deeper level of sharing, um, it doesn't grow. But the women that I'm friends with who know nothing about 12 steps and OA in Mexico is very unknown. Um, as I share more, they begin to share more. And the relationship does grow in that sense. And on disclosure, um, it's been in the last year and a half that I've started to disclosing to friends that, that I'm in program. And the response is like, they don't understand, and what are you talking about? So I share a little bit of my history about some of the crazy, crazy, insane things I've done with food. And then their heads go back and their eyes roll. Oh, my God. And then they believe me. Oh, and regarding um, the husband thing, (laughs) I'm married to an engineer. Okay? One plus one is two, and that's it. You know? And... and, um, who does not understand why I go to meetings, and I've been going to meetings for about 13 years now. So what I do every once in a while is I put on a really sexy, clingy dress, get all made up, and go stand in front of them and say, this is why I go to meetings. (laughs) (laughs) Because he doesn't get it. And, And I read something the other day that Somebody may not be loving us the way we think they should, but they may be loving us with their whole, complete heart in the most way they can, you know. And, and uh, so sometimes we'll get together and I'll share from the heart and I get a smile and, oh, that's that. <laughs> and, um, but that acceptance is part of it, too, that that's okay. And then a month later, he'll say something in response, and I realize he really was listening, you know. 
it's not the same as with people in program. It's definitely not the same. And I find myself, oh, why can't you respond like this? Or why can't you say something back? Or why can't you tell me how you're really feeling? And it doesn't happen. But it happens in other ways. It doesn't happen the way I expect. It does happen in other ways. And that's me working on my acceptance. Thank you. We will now have three-minute shares. Please focus on the topic of relationships, working well with others, and finish your share by the end of three minutes. And you must sign the speaker release before you share. Hi, my name is Stacy, and I'm writing it right now. <laughs> a compulsive reader, and I'm from the Pasadena area. <clears throat> Good to be here. Good to see you, and thank you so much. I so enjoyed being here. And I'm really glad Michelle decided to share her nonverbal communication with us last night in dancing and to share your verbal today. I just cried watching, <laughs> watching you last night. It was really touching. I wrote a few things about relationships because I think this is a great topic, and I feel like in the four and a half years I've been in program, it's an area in which I've seen a lot of um, personal growth. Just the fact of having a relationship with myself and being able and willing to look at who I really am and being willing to sit still <clears throat> with where I've come from. I started in program four and a half years ago, um, and I came in the rooms approximately about 213, and I found myself um, losing 80 pounds and getting down to 137, but decided to have a relationship, a true romance with chocolate. Uh, it broke my abstinence three years ago <clears throat> and regained 40. So I'm working on that. The biggest thing I'm learning is just sit still with it. It's okay don't need to tell everybody how thin I had gotten in program because you can physically see it if you were around then. And I just have to accept where I'm at. And I haven't left, and I'm working a stronger program now than even before. Um, my relationship with God, you know, I already had one, but I was distancing myself. And by coming into this program, it really gave me the opportunity to realize that I've had grace all along. I just wasn't admitting that powerlessness, and that's the key. Um, my relationship with my husband, he is not a 12-stepper. I don't think he needs one. He's incredible. He uh, comes to conferences. Two years ago, he let me speak at the Long Beach Region 2 conference, um, and it was our anniversary on the day I spoke, <laughs> our 10-year wedding anniversary. And my two kids, you've got to see them. Did you go see them, Carol? They're so cute. They're in the pool right now. We went to Legoland yesterday, and my relationship with my kids is that I learn that I make mistakes all the time. And I have to forgive myself. And I've become less angry, less yelling. But when I see myself do it, I catch it and I forgive myself and I move on. My biggest relationship, well, I'll say with friends, they tell me I'm honest in incredible ways. And I think that's program. I know it's program. And lastly, the relationship with my mom. It was terrible. And it's still not great. However, I was willing to let her come visit me from New York State to see my kids' birthdays. They just turned seven and nine at the end of May. And somebody in program shared with me, can't you just be nice? Can't you just love her up? Can't you just do what she wants to do? Can't you just treat her with respect and love her for the 17 days she's here? 
And, you know, when somebody abuses you so verbally that you want to be defensive, that, you, you know, they have no right making the comments they make. But I was willing to do that. And when she left, she said, Stacy, if I die on the plane, guess what? I had the best time I've ever had in my whole life. You did things with me that just have stuck with me. And this woman is all into organic, all into two years now of taking 40 pounds off and being the size I had gotten to. And the resentment could be there, but the fact that I could love her and I could say, wow, she's a different person, too, in all honesty. And so this program works in relationships is an area that I think there's growth all the time. So thank you. My name is Sammy. I am a compulsive overeater and bulimic. And I really feel strongly about sharing at this meeting because this is why, one of the reasons why I came into OA, um, because I really struggle in relationships. I really struggle with intimacy. I struggle with um, letting people know who I am because I can be one of those, and sometimes I still do, want to be the perky one, the one that makes you laugh and smile. And, um, but, um, but, you know, some days it's, I'll let people in a little bit. And I really, um, I, I, I struggled. You know, I had um, two years of abstinence and I lost it. I had a couple of days and um, where I acted out my disease. And, and, and it's really hard when you get back, you know, and you get depressed. And when you're depressed, you don't want to be around people. And I went so backwards. And... Um, you know, there are some God people here and some, like, what they call angels. And um, they were tenacity. You know, thank God for those people who stuck with me and um, just kept on reaching out. And I kept on answering the phone even though I didn't want to answer the phone. And sometimes I didn't answer the phone. And um, working with a sponsor is 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 a great thing and it's a really hard thing because you have to let somebody in. And... Um, you do let them know your innermost things, but that's what, and I trust it, I trust it, that they say that that's what you've got to do to get better. You know, there is so much more room for me to grow in this area, a lot of room in this area. Um, but that is one of the main reasons and um, why I do come to OA. It's, even though, you know, we want to lose the weight and we want the emotional uh, obsession I want to have relationships. Um, I'm also another 12-step program, and um, I, I don't do dating. I, and one day, one day, I am going to date, you know, and um, get past that. And um, and I really liked what you said about um, by being abstinent, it opens up the, uh, I don't know if I'm quoting this right, but abstinence is, is opening up the door for relationships. I have to be abstinent because when I'm not, my food is so not clean. I don't want to talk to anybody. It just, it just puts that ten foot wall up between me and you, and um, and that's not a good place, you know. And I, I isolated before, and um, so that's not how I choose to live my life today. And I'm coming out of, you know, that funk and. It's getting better. It's just a slow process. You know, some days are good and some days aren't aren't so good. And um but I just have to trust that by 
you know, opening up to everybody that it is going to get better. Anyway, thanks for letting me share. It is not in my nature to share. We didn't do that in my family. I grew up in a small town of 900 south of Springfield, Illinois. How many minutes do I have? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. It is important to keep time. When I walked in here, I heard the first woman say that she was married to an engineer. Me too. Sharon. Hi. It's really nice to be here. This is my 20-year anniversary of being in OA. The first time I blazed through anorexia more than 40 years ago in my teens. I'm going to turn 60 in January. I'm the first woman in my family to do that. I'm excited about that relationship with myself. I married an engineer. He had mooey brown eyes. I grew up on a farm. We had cows. And we had lots of cats and ponies and other animals when we had 35 kitty cats and we grew grain on our farm. At any rate, he's an engineer and I know what it is about engineers and scientists. I'm getting my doctorate in psychoanalysis. Well, and I have this food relationship. And in December, I finally after years and months and days and nights of trying to surrender. It's really hard for a farm girl to surrender because you are responsible for the crops and the animals and the food and tending men. Surrender is not my nature. I finally achieved my best surrender to date in December And a week later, I was hit by a personal injury attorney. It was his fault that he said that he was going to sue me. And that resolved finally in May to my benefit. And I got my back pain settled down in April. And I got even better surrender with my food in May. And everything in my practice that is a tool or an instrument completely failed me. If you believe in spiritual testing, maybe I have more things to learn, and so I've been trying to learn them. It is important to be an open system and learn and keep trying to learn. And I think that what I've been trying and needing to learn is relearn patience and that as much as you work on your shit and keeping your shit together and working on your condition and what condition your condition is in, 
<laughs> Time's up. It's important to keep working on it because patience is very important. My relationships with my husband, my family, my friends, and my food are still evolving. Thank goodness for OA and the 12 steps without which this would be impossible. And for you guys, it would not be possible to be here today. You and the program have given me everything. I'm Ruth, compulsive eater. And I don't know about being taped, but here I am. Um, I felt compelled to come up here and share because I have grown so much in the last few months in regards to my relationships with my family at home. Uh, I have two children, a son that's nine and a daughter that's three. And um, they're more like me than I think I wanted to admit. And my husband, who is a compulsive overeater that is not in recovery and is over 300 pounds and not well. But, um, you know, I always felt like I always had my finger pointed this way. And, um, and I, have to, I have to come up here and admit that um, I'm very guilty of judging, judging my husband that because his outside didn't change that it was going to be impossible for his insides to change. And I don't think that's true. And what this program has taught me is how to love. I came from a really abusive family, and I didn't know how to love someone genuinely, and I didn't know how to feel anyone else's love genuinely either. And I feel like I've just woken up. And at first when I came into the program, I felt like I woke up, and I needed a triangle, and I married a square. And I thought, and who are these kids? And now what am I going to do? And and I just finally realized where I was. And now I feel like um, I just finally woke up and realized that these poor people have loved me all along. Like even when I was in my disease and 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 yelling and short-tempered and demanding of my husband and tell me I'm beautiful so I'll love myself, you know, all these things. And it was only in me stopping all of those demands that I start receiving what I wanted in the beginning. And, and it's because I was, I was looking for the wrong people. You know, I, I need to get that from my higher power. I need to be content with myself um, that I'm good enough, that I'm enough um, without independence from relationships, um, that my relationships don't define me. And uh, when my children act out, it's not a... <laughs> reflection of what kind of mother I am and if my husband is overweight and and not taking care of himself it's not a reflection of what kind of wife I am um and that my husband is a very beautiful man um and I I feel really I feel really grateful to have a husband that um that I have a true friendship with and we've now started um going to counseling and um I thought he was the jerk, <laughs> and here I've done these changes, and things have gotten better. 
and, and, and I, I find myself shocked. <laughs> like, wait a minute. I'm going to counseling so you can tell him all the things he needs to do right. You know? And, um, you know, it hasn't, and, and it's weird for a person that it's all about me. How come I didn't realize it's all about me? You know, because I'm so focused on myself. And time's up, so have a great weekend. <laughs> I'm Pat, a compulsive eater, <clears throat> and um, I came here because I think the main reason I came to this program was because of relationships. I thought it was just so that I could uh, learn how to control my eating, and um, uh, on the 4th of July, this coming Wednesday, will be the 22nd anniversary of my first uh, Region 2 convention at which I became abstinent and have continued to be abstinent one day at a time ever since. I tell you that not so that you'll think I'm wonderful, just so that you know this program really does work. And it was at a Region 2 convention that it all began. Um, relationships, I've been told and I have experienced, uh, are all about what the 12 steps are for. The first three steps are about my relationship with my higher power. Four through eight is about my relationship with myself. Nine through 12 is about my relationship with others. Um, I also have been told and experienced for myself that, re and this has been a hard one for me to learn, relationships are not about getting my needs met. Relationships are about learning how to love. Now, when I walked into this workshop today, I saw somebody who was sitting in my first meeting of Overeaters Anonymous over 22 years ago. I hadn't seen her for years. And she's sitting with someone else that was a very huge part of my recovery early on. And I had no idea I would have this wonderful gift waiting for me at this convention. I want to publicly say how very deeply Grateful I am to you, too, for all you gave to me when I needed it so much. Thank you. Of a breeder. And first, I have to say this is a fabulous microphone because everyone sounds super sexy on it. Um, and I have to thank the panel today. Thank you so much. Um, I always hear what I need to hear when I come in these rooms. 
Um, I want to talk a little bit about, let me find first because I can't do two things at once. Okay. Um, what I want to talk about is um, when I first found some kind of recovery, it was through a group, 12-step group that um, was meant to mend relationships and help me with relationships with family and, and that kind of thing. And it was wonderful, but I didn't start experiencing the healing I have today until I walked into these rooms. And this is my second time around. I was in program about eight years ago um, and had a sponsor work the steps, had some weight loss, but I don't feel the connection with my higher power was there. So I went back out and gained a tremendous amount of weight um, and also just buried myself in my job, which was easy to do. Um, but this time I've been abstinent for about a year and two months. And um, what's changed is that along with having a sponsor and working the steps and having my abstinence, um, I have that connection developing and changing, but constantly there with my higher power. And I grew up Catholic, so at first it was, you know, the guy with the beard and and that kind of thing. And now what it's um, morphing into is more of a goddess, um, more of a divine spiritual entity. And... um, I wanted to share what's been amazing for me is that what's come back is my sense of I'm feeding my sense of creativity now. Um, I Eight years ago, I was studying dance, and then I put it down because I gained so much weight and I was embarrassed. Um, but I've been back at it for about six months, and it is the, the true experience of a connection with my spiritual being that I've ever had. Um, when I'm up on on the stage doing that. And um, it's emotional. And it's helping me also have different kind of relationships with people in this program, not just through meetings. But um, I just feel like part of my service now, um, along with hopefully sponsoring someday and and attending meetings and doing other kinds of service, is um, there are a lot of women that have come up to me and said, like, they're so excited about that type of creativity and that type of dance. And I'm so thrilled that somehow um, that could lead into another kind of service for me. I, I don't know what that is yet, but I love the men in this, these rooms, but I just experiencing, I'm experiencing a sisterhood that I have never had in my life. And so, thank you. And also there are t-shirts for $15, I've been told to remind you, at the boutique, and volunteers are always welcome. It is now time to close the meeting. Let's thank our speakers. And everyone who shared and our timers. Thank you. Those who care to, please stand and join hands as we close with the third step prayer.